Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. My wife and I, Nancy and I, were in um, the state of Delaware in November. And we were in a uh, pastor's roundtable. That's where we just had an incredible time of, of communication and talk to, uh, there's about 25 pastors there. And Pastor Mark Johnson and his wife uh, were so kind to host that, took care of us. And, and one of the conversations just ended up with us talking about that parable, which I'm going to read here in just a few minutes. And, and there was just a phrase that was given, guys, we, we have to be strong in the heat of the day, which we are working in. And, and that really started just building something in me. And I really felt like the Lord wanted me to bring this message to you at the beginning of this year. Amen. And, and, and I'm sorry that I didn't already do this, but can we give Friendswood a good welcome? Welcome, guys. We love you. And, and uh, we're so glad that you're joining us today. And uh, so this is what the parable says. I'm going to start a preaching, a reading here in the book of Matthew, chapter 20. It's a long parable, 16 verses, but, but that's all right. We're, we're, we're big kids. We can handle a long scripture reading, can't we? So read on your phone, read on the screen, whatever you need to do. And this is Jesus telling this parable. And he says, for the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal day's wage and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard at noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. And at five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again, saw more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. And when those that were hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? Go work a couple of hours and get a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner Those people worked only one hour and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who work all day in the scorching heat, in the heat of the day. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for your usual wage? Take your money and go. I want to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want to do with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last will be first then, and those who are first will be last. All right. That's a beautiful parable. There's quite a few messages there. I'm just going to summarize it pretty quick and then get to my message on in the heat of the day. And I have a little bit of a reverb up here 
Uh, I think it's coming from the um, monitors, if you'll help me there. So let's just set the stage on this. In Palestine, in in the land of Israel, the, the grape harvest would come in in the end of September. And, and, and the grapes, when they became ripe, they had to be picked. They had to be harvested right away before the rains would start uh, in October, middle of October. And so it, really the harvest was a, a rush. It was a race. It was, it was a frantic time to get everything in because once the rain started, the the grapes would be ruined. And so this was not an unusual um, uh, incident that Jesus is talking about. It, it was commonplace when the harvest came in to get people come in and work as much as they could. And if they had to hire people later in the day and later in the day, whoever was able to work, any worker was welcome, even if they could only give one hour of their work. So Jesus is telling this story and he's telling it to a group of people that completely relate to what he's saying and, and how he is presenting the issue that is at hand there. And, and I just want to talk just a little bit about this parable because it's full of messages. Now, the first message was Jesus talking to his disciples. And, and what he's really saying to them is, now, now you guys have been blessed. You're at the ground floor of this Christian way of this movement that is going to take place. And, and in later days, others are going to come in. There's going to be other people that will be added to the kingdom. And, and of course, we see that throughout the New Testament. Some of the greatest evangelists and greatest teachers are added. And he said, you, you, you must not claim that it's a special honor or a, a special place because you were here first. It, it, all men, no matter when they come, are equally precious in the sight of God. If they're at the beginning or if they're only working one hour at the end of the day. And, and, and I know, I've been in the church all of my life. That there are some people who think that because they've been members of the church for a long time, that then the church belongs to them. And, and, and they can dictate its policies, its next steps, all those things. And, and, and I, I want everyone to be involved and everyone to have influence. The important thing is that we don't resent people that come in at the three o'clock hour, at the five o'clock hour, at the last hour. And if God brings them into our uh, congregation or into the kingdom, we, we don't need to look down on them. And this was the message that Jesus was telling his disciples. I, I don't ever want to be the guy that looks at a new generation that is coming up and that God is uh, anointing and resent the fact that they are now having the anointing of God on their life. As a matter of fact, that's the way God intended for it to be. And we must look at that and understand that anybody who comes in in the morning hour, the noon hour, the five o'clock hour, they're all the same in the sight of God. Amen. Amen. I like that we got uh, about 30% of you that agree with my first point. I, I feel like it's going to go uphill from here. Amen. I feel like it only can go up. <laughs> I know. You don't want to clap because your hands are cold. I understand. Okay. So the second thing that we see in this parable is not only is it a warning to the disciples, but it's also 
a warning to the Jewish people that are listening. And of course, the disciples at this point are all Jewish and, and the people that are around there are Jewish. And, and we know, looking at the Gospels, how Jesus was constantly combating this attitude and this spirit that the Jews had, that they were the chosen people and that nobody else would uh, in any way measure up to them. And, and as a matter of fact, there was an attitude among the Jewish people that really despised all of the other races. And I don't know where it came from, but that was not of the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, and I don't have time to preach it today, if you look at the book of Acts chapter 10, you'll find Jesus is spending this time sending visions and messages to Simon Peter to really convince him that God doesn't show partiality to any group of people. And when Peter goes into the house of Cornelius, who was a, a Gentile, what we find there is that he said, God is no respecter of person. So, so we have to be careful with that. And the Jewish people there, this was an attitude that, God, that the Lord did not want to carry on into the movement, the Christian way that was coming. And of course, we know that it did. And we see the battles that took place place in the book of Acts and also in the book of Galatians where Paul had to write about it. And it's important that we see that the kingdom of God is for everyone. Say everyone. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to being in heaven and being in heaven with everyone. <laughs> the Bible says from every corner of the earth, north, south, east, and west, from every language, from every tribe, won't it be a party when we get over there and start expressing our incredible love for what God has done for us? In God's economy, this is what someone said, and it's a quote. I don't know who said it, but I read it years ago, and I love it. There's no such thing as a most favored nation clause in the kingdom of God. We are all the same. Now, the third thing that we see in this parable, and I'm kind of rushing through it so that I can get to the meat of what I want to say, we see the comfort of God. We see the comfort of God that no matter when a man enters into the kingdom, late or soon, he is equally dear, precious to God. And no matter when a man comes to Christ, he is the same in the sight of the Lord. The fourth thing we see in this parable is the incredible, infinite compassion of God in that marketplace. Jesus, uh, the, the labor master went there and men are standing around because no one had hired them. And in his compassion, passion you know what the master did he gave them work to do and not only that he paid them a full day's wage because he knew these people and the people that this is uh, parable is talking about were day laborers they they lived by the day and he knew that that if they needed pay that, uh, uh, an hour worth of their uh, of a day's pay was not going to make the difference and, and we see the incredible compassion of god because he gave them more than what they were due. Hey, that sounds like the God that I serve today. Has God been good to anybody in this place? Has he given you more than you deserve? I know he's given me so much more than I would ever, ever deserve. So we see the compassion. And then, of course, we see the the generosity. All these men didn't do the same work, but they received the same pray, uh, pay. And this is what you need to understand, that everything that we receive from God is of grace. We can't earn what God gives us. 
We can't earn it. I think one of the songs even mentioned that. Uh, we, we can't earn what God gives us. What God gives us comes out of the goodness of his heart. What God gives us is a blessing. And because I'm in the kingdom, I'm not expecting pay. I'm not expecting blessings. But because God loves me, he pours it out to me. It's not a pay check. It's a gift of blessing. It's not a reward, but it's the grace of God being poured out in my life. Someone said, amen. Amen. So I want to now preach about this, the heat of the day. And I got to thinking about that when that phrase was given in that pastor's round table. And I started thinking about how there are some dangers that can take place as we are laboring and I've seen this happen so many times. I, I, I've seen people as I've grown up in the church, as I've pastored in the church, I, I've seen people that in the heat of the day fell away. In the heat of the day, they had some type of situation that took them out of the kingdom of God. And, and I started thinking about that and, and some of the dangers while you're working in the heat of the day. And, and, and I thought about three things. I thought about the, the danger of seeing a mirage. You know, the, that's seeing something that's not really there. The, there's the danger of dehydration where, where you haven't replenished the fluids in your body. Or there's also heat stroke where you've not protected yourself and your body temperature rises to a, a place. And I started thinking about those and I, and I saw a spiritual parallel to them. So I'm going to talk about those three things. And, and let me start by talking about mirages. Now, I, I did some research on this and there's three types of mirages that people see. There is the superior um, mirage, which, which we don't see in the state of Texas very much because this happens uh, in the polar areas. It, it happens when there's a, a very cold atmosphere. And a superior mirage is simply that the mirage appears above whatever is casting that light. As the light shines and as the, as the, uh, the light falls upon whatever it casts a mirage in the sky or above it, and, and that's called a superior uh, mirage. We don't again, see those. But the two that we have here in our area or in a, a very hot uh, desert area would be the inferior uh, mirage or the heat, uh, um, heat vision or heat um, shimmering, if, if you will. And, and this is the way it happens. If you, if you see um, an inferior mirage, it is an image that appears below something. So we, we've seen, every one of us have seen this. We've been driving down the freeway and it looks like in the distance there's a lake and we're going to drive right into the lake. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Man, when I was a kid and we would drive the roads, I would be so worried about that. Dad, is that water up ahead? No, son, that's just a mirage. And, and, and so it's inferior because it's below. And then there's this mirage that is called the heat um, shimmering or heat haze. And, and that's when you look at something and it's distorted by the heat wave. You've all done that also. You've all been standing on hot asphalt parking lots. We have a lot of those in Houston in the month of July. And you've looked across at the taco trucks that said cheese enchilada. And it was so distorted. You didn't expect that at that time, did you? 
It's so distorted that it looks like it's uh, 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 something completely different. And, and we have that. And, and, and this is what I see in the spirit in this. I, I see on these inferior mirages that many times they're simply distractions from our work in the kingdom. You see, when we set our eyes below what God has called us to do, someone said, Amen. When we set our eyes below the incredible calling of God and the salvation of God and and we start looking at the world, there's three things mainly that become a mirage that say that they're there, that they're not really there. There is the the, uh, desire for power. There is the the, the greed and there is the spirit of lust. You see, see, when you look at those things and, and, and this is what they promise, they promise that they'll bring refreshment Refreshing, they promise that they'll bring help. They promise that they bring happiness. Even the Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season, but the truth is there's no substance to them. And our eyes should be on the kingdom of God, and what we see below the kingdom of God is a, an inferior uh, 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 image of what God wants for our life. This is what God wants for our life. He wants us to be saved. He wants us to spend eternity with Him. And He doesn't want us to be distracted by the things of this world. I don't want to be distracted by the inferior system of this world compared to the superior system of the kingdom of God and the goodness and the love and the power of God. Hallelujah. But when a mirage gets in our mind and we start believing it, and and there's stories uh, throughout history of people that have followed these things, the the thirsty laborer will see something that that will entice him and and he'll go to it and travel only to arrive at a point where, where he realizes that it's further than he thought it was. It reminds me of what my dad used to say, that, that sin will always take you further than you wanted to go and, and will always cost you more than you thought you would pay and, and will always keep you there longer than you intended to stay. And it just keeps drawing you and drawing you until finally you're at a place where you're completely exhausted because what you have sought after has never given you any substance. Isn't that a picture of this world today? Isn't that a picture of sin today? How it will draw us away from what God has called us to do. And and if you're in the heat of the day today and you've been serving God for all of these years, don't be distracted in this moment. And and don't look at something and say, oh, that's what I need when it's really not there. The, The other part of that mirage is that heat haze, that heat shimmering, and and that's when your eye is tricked uh, into seeing something differently than it really is. It's a a distortion of the reality. It's a distortion of what's really there. And and, and I've seen this so many times too, that that people will will think something that has been said about them and and they'll blow it up in their minds and it'll become so large. and, and, And it's like a heat shimmering. It's not really what it was, but it's more than what we thought. I I've seen people be distracted because they feel like somebody slighted them or somebody left them off and, and, and you know it's just something that is not true. I, I've actually had conversations with people where they've rehearsed these conversations that were 10, 
15, 20 years old, and it's grown so in their mind that it's so out of proportion of what was really said and what really happened. I, I, I've talked to people who have things against someone else and, and, and over the years it has grown so big to where it's beyond what they can carry or beyond what they can resolve when the actual incident that took place was small and insignificant and should have been shaken off on that very day that it happened. It should have been forgiven and forgotten on the day it happened but instead there's something about those barrages that stick in our mind. Oh, let me tell you today I feel like I can preach to you this morning about something that's important. I want to prevent those things in my life. And the way to prevent those mirages is that I focus my eyes on Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I focus on Him. He is the one that I look to. And, and, and the writer of Hebrews says it like this. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 3. Such a large crowd of witnesses all around us. And we must get rid of everything that slows us down. Especially the sin that just won't let go. And we must be determined to run the race that is ahead of us. We must. Everybody say we must. Say it again. We must keep our eyes on Jesus who leads us and makes our faith complete. He endured the shame of being nailed to a cross because he knew that later on he would be glad he did. Now he's seated at the right hand of God's throne. So keep your mind on Jesus and then you won't be discouraged and give up. Listen, when the world starts looking good to you, get your eyes on Jesus. Let him really show you what it's like. When you're carrying things that you don't need to carry, get your eyes on on Jesus. This is what I want you to understand. When our eyes are on Jesus, they're not on the world. You can't look at both at the same time. When our eyes are on Jesus, they're not on the world. But on the other hand, if our eyes are on the world, they're not on Jesus. So let's fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. Everybody said amen. Let's, let's fix our eyes on Him because He's the one that provides the direction that I need for my life. And, and He's the one that gives me the purpose for keeping those eyes focused. And when I, when I focus on Him, when my eyes are focused, this is what happens. I begin to understand that those mirages are not going to provide happiness for me, right? That we know they're not. I, I, I can give you a long list of people that can tell you that sin was not good to them and sin is not good to anyone. It brings forth death and separation from God. But when I keep my eyes on Him, this is what I start understanding. I understand that He provides everything that I need. Uh, when I keep my eyes on Him, the, the things of this world become blurry. They become, they become unimportant. When I keep my eyes on Him, I'm connecting with Him. When I keep my eyes on Him, I'm seeing the things that He wants me to see. I'm, I'm seeing that He's greater than any circumstance I would ever face. Can I have a witness that our God is bigger than any circumstance? Is anybody in this room, can you give me a testimony that he's bigger than the sicknesses, the problems, the issues, the things that you've gone through? My God is bigger. When I keep my eyes focused on him, I know that he's not forgotten me. He's not forgotten my issues. He's not forgotten where I am. I know that he is alive and I know that he will rescue and save me. Amen. Are you thankful for that? 
But we need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus in 2022. 2022, we can't be distracted. We can't look at things that aren't there, thinking that they are there, thinking that that's where satisfaction will be. No, no, no. The one that gives me a better life is the one named Jesus Christ. It's an abundant life that He has called me to live, and that's what I want to live. Second danger of being out in the sun like that is dehydration. Dehydration. And dehydration is simply caused by the loss of too much fluid from my body. And, and it happens when, when you're losing more fluids than you're putting in your body. And, and, and your body doesn't have enough fluids to work properly. And, and it can sneak up on you quickly. It can be something that happens in a moment. And, and some of the symptoms would be uh, extreme thirst or, or fatigue or dizziness or confusion. And, and, and the problem is that, that when we are full of the Holy Ghost, that's not the end of it because we leak we leak we leak every day as the forces of the world try to batter us and and confuse us and tempt us and pull us away so there's constantly has to be that replenishing and refreshing of what we need to make our journey and 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 this is what the uh, Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. One of the translations I read yesterday says, drink deeply of the Spirit. So, so how do I do that? If I don't want to be dehydrated, if I don't want to lose my spiritual sense and, 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 and all of a sudden become fatigued in my work or, or, or become confused in my work or become dizzy in my work. So what do I do to get filled back up with the Spirit? Well, I just keep drinking it. <laughs> I can't drink this bottle of water and say that's all I need for the day. There's going to come another time in the day that I need more water. I have to keep drinking. I have to keep replenishing. I don't ever take a drink of water and say, okay, that's it. No one ever need water again. I need more. I need to drink more. I need lots of it. Me personally, I need a lot of the Spirit in my life. Now, I know some of you guys are so much better than me, and I really congratulate you that you really haven't had to have any more of the Spirit in a long time. But as for me, I've got to have more of it every day of my life. Because if I don't have it every day of my life, there's going to be a lot of stinking days in my life. There's going to be a lot of days that aren't very good. So I need to continue to drink deeply. I really believe that the year of 2022 is a year that God is calling us to be more Spirit-filled. I, I want the power of God to fall in our campuses like never before. I, I want the power of the Holy Ghost to move in this place. <laughs> I want everyone to receive that incredible gift of the Spirit speaking in another language, a heavenly language. I want the power of God. Because this is what you need to know. It's easy to get dehydrated in the Spirit. But Jesus knew this. He knew this. And, and some of the things that He said about us having the Spirit, metaphors that He used, was you need to drink. You need to come to the fountain. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 7, we read a story about Jesus. And it's the last day of this incredible feast that the Jewish people had every year. It was 
ordained by God that they would do that. And, and it was in this feast that they would make a water sacrifice. They would pour water. <clears throat> and that was taking place on the last day of the feast. And, and Jesus is there and, and, and he sees all this water being poured out and, and something that is so out of character for Jesus, for his ministry. Listen to what it says in verse 37 and 38, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. This is not like him. This is not what he does. He stands and he shouts. And what he shouts is, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scripture declares, rivers of living waters will flow from his heart. Hey, can we just pray that right now that those rivers of living water would flow through our campuses? Will you join me right now in Friendswood, Houston? God, that's what we want in 2022. We want the waters to flow like never before. The Spirit and the power of the mighty God. Let it flow. Every week, Lord, let it flow. Let it be something that is a part of our services. In Jesus' name we pray it. In Jesus' name. I want you to just look at that one more time. If any man thirsts, you see, Jesus confronts man's deepest needs. This is what he sees when he sees us. He sees us thirsting. He sees us thirsting for something. And in the heat of the day, it's so important to drink. It's so important to drink. Paul said it like this, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. That's dehydration. That, that, that's depleting what God wants to do in your life. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, let it just flow through my life, Lord. And so if I want to be full of the Spirit, I just live according to the Word of the Spirit. The third da danger, and, and Bo's coming in just a moment here, is heat stroke. And what heat, heat stroke happens when the body temperature rises rapidly and and you're no longer even able to sweat. You're no longer able to cool down. I've experienced just a mild heat stroke in the Philippines when we were building our first campus for Ima's home. We went out to a tree farm and I was picking out trees to, to put on the new property. And, and I didn't realize it, but after being out there three or four hours, I ended up spending two days very sick. That heat just took it out of me. And, and, and I noticed that, that um, when I started feeling uh, real low, I, I started looking at the workers. And, and you know what they were doing? They were wearing long sleeves and they had on hats and some of them had their heads wrapped. And, and I realized me being out there in my t-shirt and my, my gray hair shining, that I didn't have any covering. And that the heat was so intense and, and, and we, we need a covering in the heat of the day. We need a place where we can go and get the shade. Uh, this is what Deuteronomy 33 and 12 says, uh, let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in Him for He shields Him all day long. I, 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 want, that, I want that rest in my life. I want the Lord to, to, to 
to cover me. I, I'm going to be talking tomorrow because another part of our 21 days of prayer and fasting is a devotional that will be on our Facebook page every morning. And, and, and I'm going to be talking about the armor of God. I spend eight days. I've already filmed them talking about the armor of God. We, we need that covering in the heat of the battle. We need, we need something to cover us so that we can be strong when we meet our enemy, when we are in the moment. And, 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 and you know what? The command is that we put on the armor. Don't, don't delay. Let there be a sense of urgency. We, we need that covering. Put on means to clothe or dress someone. Put it on. I, I need that covering. Everybody say, I need that covering. I don't want to have heat stroke. And I pray that God will bless you. Pastor Bo, come on and finish this message. Armor of God. Covering protection from the heat. This is what I would say is, is don't wait until you think you need it. Because at that point, it's probably too late. Don't wait to equip yourself with the armor of God. Don't wait to, to shield yourself from the heat of the day when you think you're going to need it because it might be too late. I have a story kind of relates to this. Um, I served in the Marine Corps from 2008, 2013, and in 2011, I, I was deployed to Afghanistan. It gets hot. 110, 115 degrees during the summer. I was there through the summer months. It's hot. Well, there was one instance, and this doesn't really relate to the heat of the day, but it does relate to, to not being prepared and, and not having what I needed in the moment. I, I wear contacts. I wear glasses. My eyesight is not great. So when I went to Afghanistan, the first thing I did, this was a terrible choice, is I thought while I'm stateside before I went I, I stockpiled contact lenses. I thought, you know, the whole time I'm there, I'll just wear my contacts. I'll be able to see well. Well, the first day I was there, this, the dust and the, the, the sand that gets kicked up is so fine. I mean, my eyes at the end of the first day were just irritated, red. Dust had gotten in there, so contact lenses were out. Couldn't wear my contacts. So I had two, two sets of glasses. I had a normal prescription a pair of glasses, and I had some very bougie prescription Oakleys, just real high speed. They looked really cool. They're a prescription. So during the day, during the heat of the day, when things were really bright, if I was going out on patrol, if I was going out on a mission, guess what? I was wearing my sunglasses. They were prescription, so I could see really well. Uh, when I was in Afghanistan, I did, I did a couple of different things, but, but one of the things is when we were in a mounted patrol, which means when we were in vehicles, I was the driver of my vehicle. And we have this vehicle called the MAT-V. It, it replaced the Humvee. It's a lot bigger, and I have a picture of it, actually. Uh, this is called the, the MAT-V. This is our all-terrain vehicle. It's a very big vehicle, as you can tell. It's about twice the size of like a, a, a Humvee, and uh, it's mine-resistant. It's a big truck. I was a driver, so every time we go out on mounted patrols, I'm there, right there in the driver's seat. There was this one route that we would drive very frequently. It was this route that ran the length of the area of our operation, our AO. It was called Route Cowboys, and I hate that name. I, I, I was probably some Dallas person that was there and decided we're going to name this Route Cowboys. I don't know. All the other, it was all NFL team names for all the roads. I don't know. 
Route Cowboys, and next picture you'll see this, and you can see it. <laughs> this is really, this is the only picture I had to show you. Now, you can see on the right and the left of this canal, that's Route Cowboys, both sides, Route Cowboys. And you can see, obviously, there's not much room. It's not much room to navigate this road, and there's a danger of going into the canal. And, and there have been Marine vehicles and, and, and Afghan military vehicles and American forces, the vehicles that, that got too close to the edge and fell in. And there have been Marines and soldiers that have, that have lost their lives just because the vehicle got too close and rolled over into the water. So one day we get tasked with this mission, a mounted patrol in our vehicles, and, and we're thinking it's going to be very short, it's not going to take a long time, it's during the middle of the day, so we load up, and I'm driving the vehicle with my sunglasses, and I can see great, it's bright outside, my prescription Oakleys are doing me good, but then something happened along uh, the course of the day where we got retasked, we got repurposed. Our mission got changed, and instead of just being a couple of hours during the day, it turned into like a 24 or 30 hour straight operation. And in the time that I was preparing for this mission, I thought to myself, I'm only going to need my sunglasses right now. I don't need these other prescription lenses because I'm going to be back before nighttime. I'm going to be back before the day is over, so I don't need these glasses. Well, you know what happened is that when the, when the sun went down and when it got dark outside and when it came time for me to drive on route cowboys, I couldn't see anything. I wasn't going to wear my sunglasses at nighttime. And, and due to the mission, we were driving around with all of our lights off. And so my, my A driver was a man named Matthew I'm sorry, Mike McCaffrey, Michael McCaffrey, my good buddy, Mike. He was my A driver. And the whole time I'm driving on this road, he's telling me, okay, go to your right a little bit, go back to your right. Okay, now go back to your left, go back to your left. I couldn't see a thing. And it's because I didn't think I was going to need them. And then when the time came that I needed it, it was too late. And when you're in the heat of the day, if you are not properly equipped, if you are not properly shielded, from the heat, if you don't have the things necessary to guard you from the heat of the day, then when you need it, it's too late. Pastor talked about the devotions that are coming up starting tomorrow, our Facebook page, our YouTube page. Just go on social media and search for us, Life Church HTX. You're going to start finding uh, these devotions tomorrow. But this is what you need to know you need to be equipped with these things so that you're ready for the battle, so that you're ready for hardship, so that you're ready for adversity, so that you're ready for the heat of the day. Now, I want to read a scripture, and I want you to consider this, this scripture. It's Psalm 91, verse 1. It says this, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. In the heat of the day, if you live in the shelter of the Most High, you're going to find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Now friends, when I read this scripture, what I don't see 
is that the Bible tells me if I live in the shelter of the Most High, I'm going to be safe. That's not what the Bible says. When I read Psalm 91 verse 1, what I don't find is that it says those who live in the shelter of the Most High will never fight battles. Are you, are you following me this morning? Are you tracking? That's not what the Bible says. The Bible does not say those who live in the shelter of the Most High will have a problem-free, drama-free, sickness-free life. That's not what it says. It says those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find what? Rest. Why would you need rest? What is it that happens in our lives that gets us to this point where we need rest? You need rest when you're tired. You need rest because you're exhausted. You need rest because you've been working hard. You need rest because you've been battling, because you've been struggling, because you've been fighting. You need rest because you've been beaten and you've been bloodied and you've been bruised and you need rest. You need rest when there's sickness. You need rest when there's tension. You need rest when there's stress, fear, and anxiety. We need the shelter of God because that's where we find rest. Rest. When I read that scripture, Psalm 91, talking about living in the shelter of the Most High, being in the shadow of the Almighty, you know what comes to mind is a close proximity to God. Being close enough to God that I'm covered by his shadow. It's this close proximity that is going to guard your heart and guard your mind against discouragement and against unbelief. Because don't you know, how many of you know, when discouragement gets down in your heart, when something in your life goes wrong that you become discouraged about, a relationship, something at work, a sickness, financial issue, whatever it is, when you get discouraged about something, don't you know it's hard to get out of that discouragement? When something happens in your life and doubt creeps in and you let that doubt grow to unbelief and unbelief starts growing in your heart and in your mind, don't you know it's hard to come out of that unbelief? Close proximity to God gives us rest, but it does not mean we have freedom from problems. Close proximity to God does not mean you're going to have an easy life. Close proximity to God does not mean you won't be in the heat of the day. You want to be in the shelter of the Most High? You want to live in the shadow of the Almighty? Guess what? He's got a job for you to do. You want to live your life in close proximity to God? Guess what? He's got a purpose for you. He has a purpose for you that requires you to go into the heat of the day. 
He's got a purpose for your life that's going to require you to put on some armor. Because you're going to be fighting some battles. Are you hearing me this morning? Are you hearing me, Friendswood? When you're in close proximity to God, it does not mean you're going to walk a problem-free life. It means you better suit up. It means you better get ready for the heat of the day. Or maybe you didn't know this about our God, that he is a mighty warrior. That our God is a king and he's waging war against the kingdom of darkness. This is what the Bible says about our God. In Isaiah 42, it says, the Lord will march out like a champion. Like a warrior, he will stir up his zeal. With a shout, he will raise the battle cry and triumph over his enemies. You want to be in close proximity to that God? You better put your armor on. You better be ready for the heat of the day. And maybe this kind of talk makes you a little anxious or makes you a little nervous. And you're thinking, Pastor Bo, I didn't sign up for that kind of Christianity. Pastor Bo, God would never give me more than I can handle. That is a lie. I, I, I'm serious. That is one of the things that I hear that I'm just like, come on. That's not in the Bible, people. It's not in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell you God's not going to give you more than you can handle. It's the opposite of that, actually. God is famous for giving people more than they can handle. Why? Because it's in those moments that people depend on God. In our weakness, his strength is made perfect. So if you have this idea and mentality and this thinking of your faith and your walk with God, that he's going to protect you from every hurt, that he's going to direct every safe step that you take, that no problem is ever going to come your way, I'm sorry to burst your bubble. It's just not true. And I know that's a common saying that we hear is God's never going to give you more than you can handle. Don't fall into thinking that way. Because if you think that way, the first time trouble comes your way, guess what's going to happen? Discouragement and unbelief and dehydration and mirages and heat stroke. I want you to look at this passage here. Isaiah chapter 51. I'm going to read verses 9 through 16. And this passage of scripture that we're about to read together, it comes during a time of Israel's history where they are captive, where they are under the thumb of Babylon. They've been taken out of their homeland. They've been taken away from their country. Now they're living in another country as slaves. And Isaiah, the prophet, Isaiah 51 verse 9, it says this. This is the people of Israel that are in bondage. They're crying out to God. They're saying, awake, awake, arm of the Lord. Clothe yourself with strength. Now, I want to stop here. I want you to catch this. They're not saying, God, wake up, wake up. What they're saying is, awake, arm of the Lord. Now, if you look throughout the Bible, and especially in Isaiah, you see that this reference to the arm of the Lord or the right arm of the Lord, this is a symbol for God's strength. When they're talking about awake, arm of the Lord, what they're really saying is, God, show us your power. God, show us your power 
Clothe yourself with strength. Awake as in the days gone by, as in the generations of old. This is what they're saying. God, show up and rescue us and deliver us from this suffering just like you did for these people back in the day. Come on, God. We, we, we need you right now. This is tough. We're suffering. We're going through a difficult time. Show us your power, God. They go on. They continue crying out. Was it not you, God, who cut Rahab to pieces? And Rahab is a term they used for Egypt. So the people of Israel are saying, God, wasn't it you that defeated Egypt? Aren't you the one that pierced that monster? Talking about Satan? Verse 10, they kept going. Was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made a road in the depths of the sea so that the redeemed might cross over? Those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. I'm going to break it down. This is what they were saying. God, we don't like the position that we're in right now. We don't like the situation we're in right now. We're suffering. We're hurting. We're full of anxiety and fear. We're afraid. So what we want you to do is show up in your mighty power, just like you did for our ancestors at Egypt, when you, when you parted the Red Sea for them to walk across. We need you to show up that way so that we can live this life of joy and gladness where we will never have sorrow again. They're crying out to him. And this is God's reply. Are you ready for God's reply? Everybody say, I'm ready. Friends would say, I'm ready. This is God's reply. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Man, some of you just, you're not hearing it yet, but I'm, I'm going to break it down. He says, I am he who comforts you. He does not say, I am he who delivers you. I am he who takes you out of that difficult situation you're in. And takes you to a land with no sorrow. He says, I am the one who comforts you. Then he turns the tables on him. He says, who are you? That you fear mere mortals, human beings who are but grass. They can be plucked away is what God's saying. They're inconsequential. You fear mere humans. You forget the Lord, your maker, who stretches out the heavens and who lays the foundations of the earth, that you live in constant terror every day because of the wrath of the oppressor who is bent on destruction. Who are you that you fear mere men? He goes on, he says, the cowering prisoners will soon be set free. They will not die in their dungeon, nor will they lack bread. Aren't you thankful that God is a God who keeps his promises? For I am the Lord your God who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord Almighty is his name. I have put my words in your mouth and covered you with the shadow of my hand. I who set the heavens in place, who laid the foundations of the earth, and who say to you, is what he's telling them, and I am the one that says to you, you are my people. You see what's happening here is these people are in a tough spot. 
They're going through a situation where there's a lot of fear and anxiety, so they cry out, God, show us your power. God, we're having a terrible time right now, so please take us out of this place. God, I know that you can save me, so why don't you? God, I've heard of the things that you have done before, so why aren't you doing those things now for me? That's what they're saying. Aren't you the God that parted the waters? Aren't you the God that defeated the armies of Egypt? Well, how about you come now and get us out of this mess? Have you ever been in a situation and you've just wondered, God, where are you? God, do you not hear me crying out to you? God, do you not see me in my pain and distress? God, do you not see me in my anxiety and fear? Why haven't you showed up and fixed this problem and taken me out of this situation? And what God said to them is also what he says to you and I today. He says, I am he who comforts you. Who comforts you. In the middle of your adversity. In the middle of your problem. In the middle of the situation that feels like it's killing you. That you so desperately want an escape from. God is saying, I am the one that will comfort you in the middle of that problem. I am the one that when you come to me, you will find rest. This kind of confused me last night because I see in verse 13, God says, you have forgotten the Lord, your maker. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. God, they just got done going through your greatest hits. Like they know who you are. They, they know you are their God. They, they talked about how you rescued Israel from Egypt. They know who you are. Why are you saying that they have forgotten who you are? And I felt this in my spirit, and it's, it's very simple. I felt God say, just because you've heard about me doesn't mean you know me. Just because they had heard about the things that God had done before doesn't mean that they knew who God was. Some of you are still living on the faith of your parents and grandparents and you don't really know who God is for yourself. There are some of us today that are going to become disgruntled and angry anytime something wrong happens in our life and we're going to say, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? And it's because you don't really know who God is. There are some people who think because they come to church on Sunday morning that they know God, but their Friday night says they have no idea who God is. And it's beautiful the way God paints this picture. Because what God is saying here, in some translations it's actually a compound sentence where it seems like he's saying two things that can stand on their own, but actually what he's giving us is two ideas that relate to each other. Because he says, you're living in fear because you have forgotten who I am. You're living in fear of mere mortals because you have forgotten the Lord, your maker. When you're not in proximity to me, you're going to live in fear. 
When you're not living in my shelter, you're not going to have rest. This is what God is saying. You forgot who I am. And since you don't know who I am, your life feels like it's out of control. Because if you knew me, you would know that I am the Lord, your maker. He says, if you knew who I was, you would know I'm the Lord Almighty. Listen to me. This is what he's telling them. If you knew who I was, you would know I'm not just the God that parted the waters. I'm the God that laid the foundations of the earth, is what he said. He said, no, you've forgotten who I am. Because if you knew who I am, then you would know I'm not just the God that defeated the armies of Egypt. I'm the God that stretched out the universe. See, you've forgotten who I am. And now you're depending on me to do something that maybe you heard about in the past. You're expecting me to show up in the same way that you heard me show up before. He says, I am the one who covers you with the shadow of my hand. This is what I think, that if we could just understand who God is, if we could live in close proximity, then when we're in the heat of the day, when we're fighting battles and when we're going through adversity and when we're laboring and working hard in the kingdom of God, when we know who God is, then we know everything that we encounter in this life has already gone through the counsel of God. Let me put it this way. There is nothing that you will ever face in this life that God did not see coming. There is nothing that you will ever go through in this life that God didn't know you were about to go through it. And that God that laid the foundations of the earth, that stretched out the universe, that knows the beginning from the end, that's the God that says, as you go through these adversities, I will be there to comfort you, to give you shelter so that you can rest in my shadow, so that you can find strength in the heat of the day. Amen. And I'm, I'm closing up here. The band can go ahead and get ready to come back. I find it so ironic, though, at the beginning of this message, the people are crying out to God, wake up, awake, awake. And it's actually them that need to wake up. They're the ones that need to wake up. They're the ones who have forgotten who God is. God is not Siri, who only exists when you have a question or can't remember the name of a song or need help calculating a tip. Anybody else just really bad at math? Terrible. Before this year began, myself, my parents, the pastoral staff, we started praying and really seeking God, what do you have for Life Church in 2022? Because I, if you're new here or maybe you didn't know, there's a lot of changes happening in Life Church. We've become debt free. We're in the middle of launching new campus. We're, we're going to a one church in multiple locations, vision. Things are shifting, things are moving. And as we're seeking God, we just kept feeling this one word, awaken, awaken, awaken. God's speaking to us, awaken, awaken, awaken. Wake up, wake up, see what I'm doing. Wake up, wake up, get in close proximity to me. Wake up, wake up so that you are not lost in the heat of the day. Wake up, wake up.
And you know, like any good Pentecostal, I want revival. How many of you grew up like that here in revival? Revival's coming. We need revival. I believe it and I want it. This is what revival is. Revival is a spiritual, this is the definition. A spiritual reawakening from a state of dormancy or stagnation in the life of a believer. I want a revival in my life. I don't want to be dormant. I don't want to be stagnant. I don't know about you, but I want a reawakening. I want God to stir me up. I want to work in the heat of the day. I want to fight in the heat of the day. I don't want to see mirages. I don't want to become dehydrated. I want to fulfill the purpose that God has put me on the earth to fulfill. And to do that, I have to awaken to the life that God has called me to live. Awaken. Awaken. God is calling us to awaken in the middle of a world right now that is full of chaos, fear, division, anger, suspicion, manipulation. The kingdom of darkness is spreading, and He's saying to you, Wake up, wake up, wake up, because the heat of the day is coming, Life Church. Wake up, because the heat of the day is coming. And God is calling us to awaken things that are dormant. He's calling us to awaken to our purpose, to our calling, to our anointing, to the ministry that he's placed in your hearts, to repentance, to baptism, to faith. He's calling on you to wake up. And Life Church, I'm here to tell you that it, if we do not awaken, if we do not awaken to this life, friends, what I hope you're hearing me, if we do not awaken to this life that God is calling us to live, then we're going to be left dead asleep in the field in the heat of the day. If you're not going to stir yourself awake to the things that God has called you to do, you're going to be dead asleep in the heat. And when you're dead asleep, in the heat of the day, hardship is going to come. Calamity is going to come. Sickness is going to come. The fear, confusion, division, and chaos of this world is going to come to your doorstep, and you will not find comfort. If you're asleep in the heat of the day, you're going to look for comfort to government, to people, to philosophies, you won't find it. You'll look for rest, so you'll conform to the world. You'll compromise the truth. You'll settle, you'll settle for a mediocre life. You'll give up on God's purpose for you, and you still won't find rest. The way we find comfort and the way we find rest in the heat of the day is by being in close proximity to God. By awakening to the purpose that he has for your life. Let this year, 2022, be the year that you awaken. Does everybody have a prayer guide? Would you hold that prayer guide up and can someone bring me one so I can read along a couple of things with you? Anybody have an extra prayer guide? 
Thank you. Appreciate it. I should have been more prepared for this moment. Awaken. Houston, let this be the year that you awaken to the things that God has for you. If you don't have a prayer guide, will you raise your hand so the ushers can help you out, please? You can also find this if you're watching online, go to life.cc slash 21 days. Friendswood, if you don't have one at Friendswood, raise your hand. The ushers there are going to help you. Let 2022 be the year that you awaken. What does that mean? Right there on the front of your hand guide. If you are a father, you need to awaken as the priest of your home. That's what God has called you to be. Leading your family in prayer and studying God's word and in spiritual growth. If you are a mother, you need to awaken as a prayerful warrior, guarding the spiritual and physical health of your family, declaring the blessings of God over your family, and confronting the attacks of the enemy on your family. Children who are in Life Kids right now learning about Jesus. Children awaken in faith and love for Jesus, that they would dream God dreams for their future and testify about his goodness. Teenagers, young adults, awaken as worshipers, that you would declare the grace of God and stand firm in his truth, that you would not be influenced by the culture of the world, but instead that you would be an ambassador for Christ, an ambassador for the kingdom of God that we're gonna talk about starting next week for four weeks. We're gonna talk about kingdom living. We're gonna talk about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, living your life for heaven's sake. Elders of the church awaken as overseers of the flock, leading by example, encouraging with words and actions and empowering young believers to take their place among the Life Church family. Each member of Life Church awakened with a deep hunger for God. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. Will you stand with me? Awakening, this is where it can start. Revival. If you want 2022 to be the year that you step into the life that God has called you to live, where you have an awakening, where you are prepared for the heat of the day, where you are prepared to labor in the field in the heat of the day, when you're prepared to do battle in the heat of the day, is if you will awaken a deep hunger for God. I've grown up in church. My father, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, all ministers of the gospel. I have heard so many stories and seen with my own eyes what it's like for people to have a deep hunger for God. I remember hearing stories about my great-grandfather, C.P. Kilgore, who would travel the United States, preaching tent revivals, baptizing people. And every time he got to a new city, they said he would walk the streets praying. I don't know how many days he would just walk around the town streets praying before he actually put up a tent or built a brush arbor and started preaching. But first he would walk the streets and pray for the city and pray for the people and pray that they would be hungry to hear the gospel and pray that they would receive the gospel and pray that they would repent and that they would be transformed and that they would live the life that God had created them to live deep hunger 
My grandfather used to talk about how he had this little space in an attic that he would crawl into. It wasn't even big enough for him to stand in. But this is where he knew he could be secluded, where nobody would bother him, where he couldn't hear the phone ringing. And he would crawl into this little space in his attic, and he would lay on his face seeking God. Deep hunger for God. I've watched my father live his whole life. My parents live their entire lives seeking the will of God above everything else above acceptance even from their friends and peers, above the acceptance of people, and they have pursued the call of God on their life. And it's time for that hunger to awaken in all of us. Because we're living in a time where the world, I hate to tell you this, it's not going to get any better. So if you are sitting back right now, waiting, I'm just gonna wait till things get easier, when things go back to normal, when things get better, it's not going to happen. We can read in scripture, it tells us that until Jesus returns, things are gonna get worse and worse. Now is the time to wake up because the heat of the day is coming. We're about to go into a time of 21 days of prayer and fasting starting tomorrow. We have the the guide for you. We have the online guide that has a lot of information about fasting and different ways you can participate and join with us. Why don't you start 2022 with a deep commitment to prayer and fasting and joining with us as we stir ourselves awake to accomplish everything that God has called us to accomplish here in our lives and at this church. Is anybody just ready to see what God is going to do when we can wake up and step in to that life that he has for us? Let's all bow our heads everywhere at at Friendswood as well. Let's bow our heads. I'm going to pray. And at Friendswood, as soon as I'm done praying, Pastor Tito's going to take it back over. But I'd like for our, our prayer team here at Houston, prayer team at Friendswood also, if you wouldn't mind coming to the altar areas, let's get ready for a time of prayer. But before we get into that, going to ask a question and nobody's looking around if you walked in this place today and you know you're asleep you know you know you're asleep you know you're not living the life that God has called you to live you know you've got some things that you need to get rid of you know you got some lifestyles you got some some habits you've got some some things you've been involved with that you need to set down so that you can step into the life that God has for you if that's you right now Would you just raise your hand here and at Friendswood? Would you raise your hand? I'm here to tell you that the God we serve is ready to step into your life, give you mercy and grace, and help you live this life that he's called. There's nothing you could have done that separates you from the love of God. There's nothing that you are living in right now that is too difficult for God to pull you out of. So why don't we pray together? Lord, we thank you so much for your grace, for your mercy. Lord, we thank you so much that you are the God of yesterday, today, and forever. You know all things. There's nothing that comes into our life that you are not prepared to help us with, give us comfort and rest as we go through them. And there's nothing that we could experience, Lord, that would separate us from you. You turn all situations for our good. Everything that could go wrong in our lives, you turn it for good, Lord. Lord, for those that have walked in this place knowing that they need to wake up, knowing that they need to stir themselves awake, knowing that they are not guarded from the heat, 
knowing that they are becoming dehydrated because they're not seeking your presence, they're not seeking your spirit. Lord, for those that just need to repent and turn away from their sin, pray that you would meet them where they're at, Lord, that you would meet them with love and with kindness and that you would give them the courage and boldness that they need to step out of those lifestyles and start pursuing you, that they wouldn't be ashamed to follow after you. They wouldn't be scared to make these changes, but they would walk in faith, knowing that you're gonna lead them through the heat of the day. You're gonna protect them. You're gonna give them rest. You're gonna give them comfort. That when things in the world seem crazy and things in their life seem out of control, you are the one that draws close to them. Help us to see that, Lord. Help us to see that it's in the times of, of adversity that you want us to draw close to you. Not, not wonder where you're at so you can show up and deliver us, but instead that it's those moments that draw us close to you. Help us to make you the Lord of our lives truly, to make you our king where we follow after you. Help us to start this new year with an awakening. Let this be the year of awakening and life church where every father, mother, child, young person, elder, where every member of this church awakens with a deep hunger for you, a hunger for righteousness, a hunger for holiness, a hunger to know your word, a hunger to spread your gospel, a hunger to serve people, Lord. Let us awake with that hunger. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said amen, amen, amen. Friendswood, Pastor Tito's got it. Here at Houston, we're gonna go back into another time of worship. Our prayer team is here. If you are making a decision today to follow Jesus, what you need to do is partner with someone and have them pray with you. Why don't we join together and end this first Sunday of 2022 the right way, and that's glorifying Jesus. Amen.